Welcome to the Restaurant Rundown, the podcast where we dish on all things restaurants. Whether you're a foodie, a restaurant owner, or just curious about the inner workings of the industry, we've got you covered. With your host, Michael Classen, we will be talking to experts, chefs, and restaurant owners about their experiences in the industry, sharing tips and tricks for success, and exploring the latest trends and innovations. So sit back, relax, and get ready to dig into the delicious world of restaurants with the Restaurant Rundown, from kitchen to boardroom. All right, really excited about this one. Um, I mean, I'm always excited about all of them, but I got uh, a close friend of mine. We've been uh, friends for over a decade now and uh, gladly brought him on board as the uh, franchise, no, director of franchise development, um, Dr. Kasama, straight out of Sweden, um, which is cool to say. I don't have very many friends from Sweden. I think you're the only one. And you're the only That's one right. in the office from Sweden. So uh, why don't we start at the beginning? How did you get over to Calgary, Alberta? And why the hell did you stay here? Well, you know, first of all, I, I left my uh, blonde Swedish hair back in Sweden. <laughs> and uh, and uh, But I came here for university. Uh, I grew up in Sweden, as you said. And my family is still back there. But at a young age, I, I always wanted to venture out of Sweden and, and play football at a high level. And... Eventually earned a scholarship between, it was between University of Calgary and uh, a school down in Chicago and came here for a visit, met some amazing people and I chose Calgary over the U.S. Nice, nice. And obviously you wouldn't be sitting here if you hadn't chosen the University of Calgary because that's where we got to know each other. That's right. Yeah. No, great, great times. We go way back and uh, it's interesting how... You know the world works, but uh, yeah, it, it's. I'll, I'll tell the story as we get into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did want to. I did want to pick your brain on one story that you told me when we brought you on board, and that was uh, where you went on one of your first oh, dates yeah. the first year you you got here. I was hoping you would bring that up, right? <laughs> uh, no, it, it's funny. Um, my first introduction to uh, Joey's seafood was actually back in college. I was a poor college student, and I this was my first or second year, and uh, it was Valentine's one day, or Valentine's was coming up, and I remember walking into my coach's office, uh, Blake, and I said, hey, um, he asked me, Doc, what are you doing for Valentine's? I don't know. I think I think I have a crush on this lady, and I'd uh, love to ask her out. And he reaches across his desk, and, and he brings me, he hands me these 10 coupons to Joey's Seafood. I'm like, <laughs> what's Joey's Seafood? I do love seafood because I grew up in Sweden. That's that's literally what we eat every day, right? Mm-hmm. So I looked it up and I took the coupons and I called up Rachel at the time and hopefully she's not watching. But uh, <laughs> You shouldn't have name but, dropped there. But uh, anyway, so invited her to Valentine's and when it was time to pay, pulled up my 10 coupons worth $100 and that's how I paid for Valentine's. And after that, she she became my girlfriend, my first girlfriend in Canada. And uh, eventually, I ran out of coupons, and that ended. Okay, I was going to say, there's a couple <laughs> like uh, surprising things of this story. One is that you were able to spend $100 at a Joey's Seafood on two people, because that is a lot of food. I like shrimp. And two, that you got the second date. <laughs> not right. to say that Joey's isn't a great place, but you know it's not most young college students first choice as far as a valentine's day but anyways it's it's hilarious how 
you know, one of your first touch points in Canada was a Joey seafood. And now here you are selling Joey's seafoods, or now we call them Joey's fish shacks, which is cool. Um, you know, I know we kind of bumped into each other a few months ago and, you know, I got to learn what you were doing and you were in some franchise sales. So why don't you get into that? The, the company you were working with, um, before. Yeah. And what you did to help them grow, because, you know, I understand taking a brand like ours from 22 locations or 44 Joey's locations to a hundred, you know, is obviously a challenge, but what you did, which is you took one corporate store mm -hmm. to 10 franchise locations, which I think opening the first franchise is probably the hardest part for sure of the franchise model. So let me get let, get into that a little bit. Yeah, I know. Like, I've been very fortunate. Um, I, you know, from a young age when I uh, ended college, I went into business for myself and I had a lot of mentors that helped me, you know, figure out the ups and downs of businesses. Of, uh, and so... I was first introduced to franchising um, when I was actually looking to get into one for myself because um, I had experienced some, call it failures in business, and uh, I realized there's two ways to go about it. You know, you can go about, you know, starting, uh, starting on your own, right? Um, doing everything from the ground up and, you know, going with the startup. Or you can look at a proven method, which is a, a franchise, right, that, that has a proof of concept and get into that. And so I, as I was doing my own research into kind of my next business venture, uh, I, I stumbled upon a franchise that uh, uh, was for sale at the time in, in, in Calgary, right? What was it? Uh, this was a staffing franchisor, okay, right, yeah. with one franchise in Calgary at the time. And um, within staffing, I, I didn't have much experience in staffing, but had, I had some experience in recruiting because of my uh, previous business venture, right? And so, so long story short, I ended up, you know, coming on board with the staffing franchisor with, with one franchise in, in Canada as opposed to uh, getting into my own franchise. And I helped them kind of, the aspiration was to, hey, we have created some success here in Alberta. We want to continue to grow and award more franchises. And to your point, when you're one franchise and you're, you're trying to get people to buy into your proof of concept and, and, and basically duplicate your model, right? It, it's, a, it's a hard sell, right? It's a lot easier when you have 65 franchises like Joey's, right? Whereas, you know, you have a proof of concept and you have several people that have created success for themselves with your vehicle. Right. And so, uh, I took on the challenge and I learned a lot, right? I made a lot of mistakes and I learned a lot and I was able to grow the, the company with additional franchises. And what I realized in that process is, you know, my, my experiences and what I enjoy doing is, is helping other entrepreneurs figure out, you know, the ups and downs of, of starting and running a business. Cool. No, I mean, yeah, very exciting. Taking <laughs> taking a franchise from one to to ten is 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 quite of quite quite an accolade, I would say. And you know, we're excited to have you on board. So hopefully, you can multiply our business by ten and help us do that and grow with us, right? But um, you know, let's start at the beginning of how do we vet future franchise partners. First of all, how do we market to find these people that might be interested in our brand? And then how do we kind of vet them out? Like, how do we, 
how do we know if they're going to be a good fit, right? Because obviously we say partner. They're not right. our franchisee. They're our partner, True. right? So we want to have prolonged success alongside each other. So what are some ways when you're on these initial calls with people to make sure that they are a good fit for us? Yeah, I mean, there's two two viewpoints, right? Uh, from the individual standpoint that is looking to get into a franchise, they start their process by going online, looking at, different concepts that they may want to get into, whether it's food or whether it's staffing or whether it's um, a different business concept, right? Uh, A person has to decide. And a lot of times these people are within a job and this is their first business venture. Like majority of the people that are looking to get into a franchise, you know, a lot of times it's their first business venture. And so when you sit across somebody that is, Look into, I call it bet them themselves, right? Like they're, they're, they're trying to reach for something more, right? And, and they're trying to be in control of their destiny, right? And, uh, it's a big ask, meaning, uh, they're looking for a vehicle that's going to work for them. And, uh, as a franchisor, when you sit across somebody, you have to understand that they're taking a big risk. That's the first thing, right? And the risk that I'm talking about is they're looking to get into a business, right? And a lot of times they're investing their life savings to get into this opportunity. Uh, you know, their families uh, are, are going to be impacted, uh, their lifestyle. Uh, so it is a big ask, right? And, and it, takes, it takes time to qualify the person but also for the person to qualify you. Mm-hmm. And uh, because this is not a, you know, it's not like looking for a job where, you know, you, you get into a job and you accept an offer and you don't like it and you just resign, right? These are long-term agreements, five, 10, 20 years. Right? Yeah, not only that, but the initial investment that it takes to operate and, and, and start the business itself, right? So Yeah, and, and so it is, it is, it's like courtship. It's the best way to describe it, like dating a lady. Right. They want to get to know you and you want to get to know them to see if you want to be in this marriage, because ultimately that's what it becomes. Before you put a ring on it, (laughs) make sure you know what you're getting into. (laughs) That's right. No, that's a That's a good analogy. And I mean, it's so true, right? It is. It's a long term commitment. And it's sometimes it's ugly if one party wants to get out early. Right. For whatever reason, unfortunately, yeah, like. This is a legal document that's, you know. Correct. Exactly. And so, and, and, and with that note, I mean, there's, there's, uh, uh, there's franchise laws in Canada and U.S., right? And which protects individuals that are looking for a franchise, uh, but also protects um, the franchisor. And so it, it, is, it is a process that uh, um, shouldn't be taken lightly mm-hmm. and, uh, I always encourage the person sitting in front in front of me, uh, the individuals, you know, do your due diligence, right? Uh, make sure that this is you understand what you're getting yourself into, because a lot of times where people go wrong is um, they think getting into a franchise guaranteed success, guaranteed success. Yeah, but the reality is you're only going to be as successful as the work that you put in. And every franchisor will tell you, doesn't matter what brand it is. When something goes wrong, it's always 
the franchisor will say, well, the individual didn't follow the process that was laid out for them. Yeah. And the individual will say, well, it was something wrong with the franchise business. No, not enough marketing, not enough this. Right. Oh, it's the wrong location. They put us here, right? So yeah, it's I'm I'm glad you said that because I feel like that's the one missed point when when we're trying to sell franchisees or franchises to our partners, our franchise owners, mm-hmm. is that they think it's guaranteed success. They think that with the brand recognition that we have or whatever brand might have, but ultimately like we see some of the big brands start closing down shops, whether it's a fitness brand, another restaurant brand, Ultimately, they're still closing down shops too, right? Mm-hmm. And usually it all points to one direction and that's just not the right fit for the franchise partner or they're not doing the necessary things to drive success. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's one of the, t- the two things that I see most often uh, when things go wrong is A, uh, the individual didn't understand the expectations going in as far as what it takes to uh, uh, to be successful, right? And it's a simple fix, as simple as, you know, validate in your process of looking at getting into a business, do your validation by meeting with existing franchise partners and understanding what it's going to take to be successful, right? Uh, Just by opening up a location, regardless of what business it is, right, there has to be work, right? Mm -hmm. And and, and, um, you opening up a franchise business, yeah, you know, customers are not just going to come to you, right? There's a proven method. There's um, steps that you have to follow with every system. And unless you're willing to put in the work, um, you're not going to be successful. I think that's a common misconception, too, with people buying into franchises. Is they feel that the work has been done for them. So what kind of work are you talking about and for what time period? Because there's a lot of people that own multiple units, right? Mm-hmm. So how did they set up their businesses mm-hmm. in a way that they don't have to be necessarily as hands-on? Yeah, and, and I think for all of those guys that, that were able to grow from one franchise to multi-unit franchise owners, I think all of them had to put in the work in the mm-hmm. beginning, right? There's no way around it. And uh, they understood the expectations as far as what it was going to take to succeed. They were able to follow the process that was uh, laid out for them. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, some people don't like to follow processes and that's fine. Then get into business for yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, I think the, uh, the, where I see people go wrong is they're undercapitalized. Right. They don't have enough capital when they get into it. And the ones that move on to a second and a third franchise, they're very, they, they, they have the capital, right? Um, to succeed in good times and bad times, right? Cause business goes up and down, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to make sure that, uh, you have enough capital, right? To ride along when, when times are great and, and ride out when times are, are slow, right? Yeah. Uh, that's another factor. Yeah, no, it's interesting you say that because it, it is funny that in the restaurant business, everyone getting involved thinks it's instant success, instant gratification, right? Yet any other business that any other person would ever start in the world, they would probably understand the fact that their business is probably going to lose money for the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. But in the restaurant industry, 
it's like, oh, I'm making money day one and I'm going to continue to have all the success. No, like we see it within our systems too, mm-hmm. right? We, mm-hmm. we open high, high sales. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to come check it out or whatever. You know, we'll drop 20, 30% and then it's where do you go from there? How do you build it up? And sometimes that takes a year. Sometimes that takes two years. Right. And, you know, we can honestly say that a lot of our streets locations that have been open two or three years are are seeing that success. But we have not issues, but we do see like the brand new stores open within a few months or whatever, you know, sales aren't quite where they need to be. And our franchise partners are sitting there like, what the heck is going on? And we're sitting there like, trust the process. You got to trust the process. You'll get there. Keep doing what you're doing or keep doing the right things and we'll get you there. And that's it. That's it. It's, it's, it's setting expectations and meeting expectations. And, you know, I try to convey to, to people that are getting, got, that are going into business for themselves uh, within a franchise is for the first year, maybe two years, you know, understand that you might not be able to pull money out of the business. Right. And that's setting an expectation. So if you're, if, if your life savings are going to go into this venture, make sure that you have backups, right? If you're married, you know, understand that, you know, your, the, ex, the expenses that you're going to invest into the business, uh, you have to calculate for beyond that as far as your expenses at home, because you're not, for the first year, to your point, you might not be able to pull any cash out of the business. And those are expectations that um, prospects need to understand, right? And and I find that's where sometimes things go wrong is, is they think that they can come in and from day one generate revenue and become rich. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not how it works in 99% of the cases, mm-hmm. right? You have to put in the work. And regardless of what business it is, make sure that you set yourself up to, to know that you might not make any money for the first one or two years, right? But if you continue, as you said, you see the fruits of your labor, yeah. right? Year two, year three, all of a sudden things are looking a little better. Then all of a sudden now you're looking at another location. And we all know you're not going to get amazingly stupid rich owning one franchise location. And a lot of it today is, you know, owning multiple locations, especially when it comes to franchises. And that's what you see all over the states and even Canada and even within our own system, right? We have a we have a lot more multi-unit operators now than we've ever had in the history of the Joey's franchise group. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to show you not only that the space is a little more competitive, it's a little saturated, but also, you know, it's doable within the with the systems that we're putting in place with the new technologies and and um and systems that we have to almost automate the stores, right? So now the owner operator can start to take that step back. Once the staff is trained, once mm-hmm. they trust that the staff is trained, now that they can take a step back and look at, you know, opening other future businesses. For sure. And and that's that's a that is a validation of the franchisor. When you have uh, an owner that starts with one franchise and then eventually gets into a multi-unit owner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 means a they're making money, b they like the business, and c right they can take on more, right? Mm-hmm. But not everybody can do that, right? And I think um, 
what you have to do, and, and it's great to have multi-unit owners, but um, you have to start with one and and be successful with that. Um, and then eventually, you know, hopefully every 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 franchise partner that we have, right, our goal is for them to eventually become multi-unit owners. And um, because ultimately, if they want to grow with you and open additional stores, that means you're doing something right. Yeah. But what would you like to see from that person first? Meaning, hey, I'm a brand new franchise partner. I open the store. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see the light of the day as far as like, you know, paying off our loans, paying off our debts, all that fun stuff. What would you like to see from the franchise partner before, you know, you kind of granted them another one? Yeah, I, I think for us it's simple. It comes down to are they are they a good operator? Right? And then secondly, do they have the capital to to continue and open a, an additional store? Because we don't ever want to put them in a financial risk, right? Uh, and if they have those two two things, right, they're a great operator. And uh, frankly, they will come to you before you go to them as far as expansion. Mm-hmm. Because if they're happy and they're making money uh, and um, and the business is doing well, They'll come to you and say, hey, I want to open another store, right? Uh, Because the second one becomes easier than the first one, right? Nice. Mm -hmm. So I got a question, and I'm honestly just intrigued by it. So pretend I'm a a brand new franchise partner. I see an ad online or something. You're selling me a streets. Mm -hmm. What are the processes? What are the steps? What are the next steps taken by me? And then yourself as a franchisor to get me on board. Yeah, I mean, if you come and you're looking to to get into our concept, let's say, um, there's several steps, right? The first thing is you you find us online, and then you 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 put in your information. You want to receive uh, more about what our brands and concepts are about. We will send you our. You know, every franchisor has their information kit. You know. The, They'll send it to you. That's the sales at, piece. That's the sales. Yeah, essentially, you learn you learn two you learn two things, right? You learn what is the opportunity, right? And secondly, what is the cost to get into this opportunity, right? And once that makes sense, there's you know, you then further go into a, a second call, right? Which is essentially, hey, um, from our standpoint, we look at okay, is this person going to be a fit? Uh, do they understand the opportunity? Are they going to be a good operator? And do they have the money? Right. If you don't have the money, then you know there's not much we can do. But if you have those three things, we think you're a good operator. Uh, you understand the opportunity, uh, and you do have the capital. Then we we would move you along to to the next steps. Right. And what are those next steps? Not to go too much into detail, but essentially you you'll you'll end up at a place where you receive. Uh, franchise disclosure documents, right? Every franchisor in Canada or U.S. has to give you these documents. And essentially, these are long legal agreements which outlines what what the opportunity is, you know, our, our financials, um, the cost of operating a store. You need to understand these documents. And a lot of times, I see I see individuals. Um, who receive these documents and they have to sign off that they actually read it. They don't go through it in detail. And they that's, sign it off. Right, right. That's And that's where they go wrong, right? Uh, because I always encourage people, say, uh, you know, 
once you receive these FTDs, which is essentially um, from A to Z as far as what is expected of you to run this business and the rules that you have to follow, I encourage them to sit down with the lawyer. Right? And the reason why I do that is because, again, these are long legal agreements written by lawyers. And um, I say, sit sit down with your lawyer and make sure you understand every clause in these FTDs, right? Because once you move forward and you sign these agreements, you're now in 10, 20, 30-year partnerships, right? And a lot of people don't take their time to really understand what the FTDs are about, right? And before I can move forward with them, I make sure that they understand what they're getting themselves into and, and vice versa. I, I, I think that's an important step um, before we can award a franchise. The right term is awarding a franchise. Like nobody sells a franchise, right? You have to earn it, right? Mm-hmm. And the franchisor has to earn your trust that this this business is is going to work if you follow the process. I right? like that. Award, not mm. sell. Yeah. I, I really like that. And, it, you know, it goes to show you that there's vetting from both sides. It's not just the franchisor selling a franchisee. Correct. You know, making the, the FDD, the franchise disclosure agreement, look like a jumbled up legal document that nobody can understand, you know. I like how you're trying to get these 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 franchisees, these prospects – to understand everything, right? They need to know what they're getting into and they need to know the consequences if things don't end up working out, right? Right. And that's the last thing we want is somebody mad at us or mad at the franchisor Mm -hmm. because they didn't quite understand it. So I think that goes a long way to, again, building those relationships and that prolonged, ultimately that prolonged uh, partnership. For sure. sure. And and, and a lot of new brands, to be honest, uh, you know, if you're a newer brand into franchising, you know, obviously, you're excited to to work with anybody that wants to operate and 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 multiply your franchise concept, right? And and a lot of new brands uh, make the mistake of awarding franchises to people who are not the right fit, right? You know, I, I I'm at a stage now, and and uh, and with the concepts that we work with is, you know, we want to say no to people. Mm-hmm. For different reasons, because if they don't understand what it's going to take to be successful, um, we don't want to move forward. And the reason for that is if 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 we let somebody into our system that fails, not only is it going to hurt you as a franchisee, but it's going to hurt our reputation. Yeah, right. Our name, our reputation. Exactly. And so for us, it's it's important that. Um, um, that we take our time to qualify somebody. And sometimes it takes, you know, can take up to a year, right? It can take six months. Uh, but again, uh, to get to know somebody before you marry them, you want to take your time with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't want to jump into marriage. Um, that's interesting. So me as a prospective franchisee, mm-hmm. I find you online. Okay, now we've I've got the brand book, the brand information kit. You know, I've signed the disclosure agreement or disclosure document. Mm-hmm. Then comes a franchise agreement, correct? Yeah. And then how long is this entire process? You said it could take upwards of a year, right? So how long would I expect my store to then be open? 
Yeah. So depending on how comfortable we are with you and vice versa and how quick, how quickly uh, you want to move as far as opening up a business. Um, once we've gone to a stage where you sign off on the FTDs and where we, we then would invite you to a discovery day, right? Where you, you come into the head office and we take you around and that's where really you get to ask all of your final questions. We have our executive team that, that gets to meet you and make sure that we're both comfortable to, to move forward, right? Once we execute a franchise agreement uh, to open up a new location, could take three months, uh, could take a year, right? So it all depends of where the location is. And if we have the location beforehand, it goes quicker. Uh, if we have to find a location, it, it could take a bit more time. So case by case basis. For sure. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I think I've learned a lot about franchising. Awesome. Um, I just want to thank you for your time today, Doc. I think we're going to do some big things together and open a bunch of stores here in the next few years. So I'll leave you with one more question. How many stores are we getting open in the next five years? In the next five years? Yeah. Where's Joey's and Streets in the next five years? My answer to that is quality over quantity. Okay. And we want the right franchise partners. As long as we have the right franchise partners, we'll continue to open stores in Canada and U.S. I like that. That yeah. was perfect. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you for joining us on the Restaurant Rundown. We hope you've enjoyed our deep dive into the world of restaurants and gained valuable insights into what it takes to run a successful establishment. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll be bringing you even more fascinating interviews, expert tips, and behind-the-scenes looks at the restaurant industry. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Wishing you all the best in your culinary endeavors. Thank you for joining us on the Restaurant Rundown. We hope you've enjoyed our deep dive into the world of restaurants and gained valuable insights into what it takes to run a successful establishment. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we'll be bringing you even more fascinating interviews, expert tips, and behind-the-scenes looks at the restaurant industry. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Wishing you all the best in your culinary endeavors.